Thin Line Believers is a Christ-based outreach for the men and women who walk the thin line between good and evil, order and chaos. Our motto is, our service for His glory. To the police officers, veterans, firefighters, corrections, paramedics, dispatchers, and whoever else may join us, we are so glad you're here. Hey there. We are Thin Line Believers, and if you're joining us for the first time today, we have been going through the book of Revelation. Last week, we welcomed Steve back after an extended hiatus. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't listened to that podcast, I highly recommend it. It was it was pretty freaking awesome, if you ask me. I was thankfully alone in my car and yelling in agreement with what Steve had to say. I think uh, he's spot on when he talks about some, at least my takeaway from it was a lot of the the uh, fake Christianity, the, the moving away from biblical Christianity. And I think that that is... It, it's it's potentially detrimental to the faith as a whole, but it's also, it is prophetic. Uh, I believe the Word of God talks about a falling away from the faith. And throughout history, we have seen people who will dilute uh, biblical truths in order to, to seem more, more approachable or more friendly to the world. But uh, I've said it in the past that I, I think Christianity needs to be separate from the world. And that's what's appealing to it. We get enough of the world. And I think it's important that we offer that. The, the Bible speaks for itself. And I think we're going to get into a portion of Scripture here today in Revelation chapter 14 and probably into chapter 15 that's a bit uncomfortable. But if that's uncomfortable uncomfortable to me, it's not because the Bible's wrong. It, it may be an indication that maybe there's something within me that's wrong. Or maybe it's because it's meant to be uncomfortable because we have this sin nature that's working against us. So, no, I don't think that we should be opening the Bible and judging it. I think we should be opening the Bible and allowing it to judge us. This is this is an instruction manual. This is the Word of God. It's right. It is correct. And if we have a problem with it, then we are incorrect. The, I didn't mean to get off on that tangent there. What I really wanted to do is I want to get into chapter 14 today. Because like I said when I, I started this this book here... Uh, the book of Revelation comes with its own blessing attached to it. In fact, it's the only book of the Bible that does have that blessing. So, here we go. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So I guess that's a little self-serving, right? And blessed are the ones who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So there you go, that's you. Blessed are you. Now, we're going to get into a little bit of stuff here today. 
that uh, it's a little heavy and it can cause some fear, but I don't want to cause fear unless that causes you to, to step back and take a look at where you are in your walk with the Lord. In that case, maybe a little fear is a good thing. But I want to assure you that this portion of Scripture that talks about some things that are going on in the world, or that is going to lead up to that anyway, that's not talking about you and me. So, I want to just make a quick reference here to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. It also says to pray that you will be counted worthy to escape the hour of tribulation to come, okay? So, we can hold fast to this promise here in verse 10 that we who endure patiently will also be kept from the hour of trial. Speaking of the tribulation period. So there you go. Chapter 14. Now the title here, I'll read it to you, even though I want you to know that the titles have been added after the fact, just as more of a reference. They're not divinely inspired or anything like that. They're just added for our convenience. So the title of this portion says, The Lamb and the 144,000. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered his firstfruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. So, we talked earlier about this 144,000, if you remember, in a few chapters earlier here. But I want you to take note of something that gives me some encouragement here. This doesn't say 139,900 and whatever. It says 144,000. These 144,000 were kept throughout that portion of tribulation. And here they are with the Lamb on Mount Zion. And I believe that this is the heavenly Mount Zion. I don't believe this is in the earthly Jerusalem here. So here they are found with Jesus. Verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. 
He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Now something comes to mind here I want to point out real quick. In the world right now, we're going through this this racial stuff. But I want you to I want you to take a look at this here where it talks about this eternal gospel and the fact that it is proclaimed to every nation, every tribe, every language, every people. No one is lifted up. No one is more special than another. The eternal gospel has been proclaimed to everyone. The good news, which is what gospel means, is available to every single human being, regardless of race, color, ethnicity, language spoken, tribe, nation, whatever the case, there are no favorites in this book. There are none. Okay, yes, the, you know what? The Jews are called the chosen people. But look at what they've been through. Okay? And they're the most persecuted group that, that we can really speak of. Yeah, Christians have been martyred more than any other. But if you look at the numbers over time, you... I don't think anybody could disagree that the Jews have been persecuted to an insane amount. But my point here is that there is no favoritism given to any ethnicity in the Bible. The blood of Jesus was shed for every single person. So, here we go. Crazy stuff going on, right? Angel flying through the air, proclaiming, let me get my tongue untwisted, the gospel. And then we come to, let's see, worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Verse 8, a second angel followed and said, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. This Babylon they talk of here, we'll get a little more into that. But it speaks of the world system, okay? So Babylon, world system. Verse 9, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance, on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. So, three angels flying around. This is really going to happen. This isn't typology. This isn't symbolism. This is actually going to happen. There's going to be no excuse for these folks 
who decide to take the mark of the beast. And we talked about that earlier, I believe, with its 666 reference. There will be no excuse. And there's there's people now who say, well, you know, I'm... I'm not quite ready to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying the partying, the sleeping around. Whatever the case is, whoever you are, okay, that's your choice. That's called free will. However, if you think that you're going to go ahead and accept Jesus during the tribulation, you might think twice about that because there are so many people that are going to take the mark of the beast. Even while three angels are flying through the air, saying, don't take the mark. Two witnesses, breathing fire, saying, accept Jesus. But instead, so many of these people are going to take the mark. Why? Because it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. You're not going to be able to buy or sell without it. You think life's tough right now? Yeah, okay. Verse 13, then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. That's some encouragement for those who accept Jesus during the tribulation period. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. I believe this is because it's going to happen after this. There's going to be an even more intense persecution of those who come to faith in Jesus from this point. Verse 14, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire, came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city. And a blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles, for a distance of 1,600 stadia, which is about 180 miles. I don't know exactly what's going on here, but it sounds horrifying. The amount of blood that's going to flow, 180 miles. That is wild. And it's horrifying. These are people. This is the blood of people. These are people that we we were not, either we were not able to reach them, or we didn't try. 
I don't know if I referenced this before in the last one or not. I can't remember. But in Ezekiel, we're told about uh, watchmen. Okay, in, in, in times past, watchmen would be posted on the walls. And if they saw something coming, if they saw an enemy approaching, it was their job to sound the alarm to make sure that everyone was, was warned of this coming battle so that they could prepare themselves and go out to meet the enemy. But if the watchman didn't do his job, then the blood of the people that he failed to warn, that blood would be on his head. Now, if he warned the people and they didn't heed his warning, if they didn't rise up, prepare for battle, and go out, then their blood was on their own hands, on their own heads. But like Ezekiel, it's our job to tell people that, hey, bad things are coming. Regardless of whether you make it to the tribulation period or not, bad things are coming if you don't believe and accept Jesus as your Savior. See, we're sending them to their own peril. Now, if I, when I lived on the coast, if I knew a tsunami was coming, and I didn't bother to tell anybody, I just packed up and left, then that would be a horrible, horrible thing. I would leave all these people to their death. But if I tell them, and they choose not to leave, well, then that's on them. But if I tell them, and they all leave with me, and that tsunami hits... All the better. There's a tsunami coming. And if we're not sharing this with people, and it doesn't have to be that 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 type of sharing, okay? It doesn't have to be, hey, you need to get saved, otherwise you're going to burn forever in hell. You know what? That might work with some people. That might open their eyes to see the goodness of God. What the alternative is, sometimes... Sometimes people need a little fire and brimstone, I believe. But there's many ways to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The hope, the grace, forgiveness of our sins, all these things. You just have to be, be led by the Spirit. Let's get into chapter 15 here. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with seven last plagues last because with them God's wrath is completed and I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name they held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb great and marvelous are your deeds Lord God Almighty just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and I saw in heaven the temple, that is, the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. 
They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. A little side note here, the number seven in Scripture speaks of completeness. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did so in seven days. Well, six days, and on the seventh he rested, giving us seven total days, and it was complete. So here we see the seven last plagues, and that will complete it. Now we can read this, and going on from here, it's it's going to get kind of messy. It does get a little bit messy, and we'll get into that. But before we do, I just want to reiterate something. When we read this, it seems kind of nasty, maybe even a little bit unfair. But we need to allow the Word to judge us. We need to understand that God is God, and we are not. And so His judgments are 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 just, just as as those in heaven could sing this song. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. What God is doing here, it's right. And if we don't understand that, we can become calloused. And when we start to question one thing about God, if we do so to the Lord with with a proper approach, God hears us, and He's a good God. He can make Himself known to us. But if we come to Him saying that this isn't right, that God, you are wrong, then we have become judges of the word of God instead of allowing God's word to judge us. And that's very dangerous because at a certain point we will become our own gods. When we start to take the Jesus of the Bible and and the God of the Bible and twist it and change it to fit what we want it to be, we are making our own God. And that is dangerous. Because then you are not believing in and serving the God of the Bible. So. I was going to cut it off here. But let's get into chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go. 
pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land. And ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. And parenthetically here, I want to say again, they were warned. They were warned. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood, like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl, and the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Now I want to point out something here that that is kind of interesting to me, that those who worship the beast and have received the mark, they get these festering sores. Now I wonder, is that a direct result of the mark itself? Is this something that's going to be put under the skin that is actually going to cause a delayed reaction like this? I don't know. I don't know. I guess I guess uh, we'll wait and see. And I also think that with these seven plagues here, that the earth is being cleansed. We talk about, well, we don't so much, but uh, we hear about this uh, climate change, this stuff that is uh, hurting our, our world, apparently, right? Now, I'm not a scientist. I don't say one way or the other. But I wonder if in some of this, it is a, it is a cleansing of the earth to uh, bring it back to maybe a more Eden-like condition. I don't know. I think maybe that might have something to do with this, but we'll just have to wait and see. Verse 7, And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed at their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. I don't know what they're doing here. I really don't, I don't know what they have done. But whatever it is, their hearts have been hardened. And instead of repenting, they continue to curse God. Verse 12, The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are demonic spirits 
that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Now it says here that the river Euphrates is going to be dried up. This is interesting considering the uh, the dam that was just not too long ago built there on the Euphrates that they claim could cut off the flow completely. Verse 15. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell on people, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail, because the plague was so terrible. Here for the third time we see the we hear the people cursing God instead of repenting. It just kind of reminds me of a verse that has stuck out in my head for quite some time now. And it's not even a complete verse, but it's it's when Paul encountered Jesus. He was actually still Saul at the time, hadn't changed his name yet, but he encountered Jesus on the road, and Jesus said to him, Why do you kick against the goads? And I think sometimes we have a tendency, me especially, I have a tendency to kick against the goads. I know what God's calling me to do, but instead of doing that, I'm trying to do my own thing, and in so doing, I'm, I'm, I'm just causing myself pain and heartache unnecessarily. Instead of doing what God wants me to do, because whatever He wants me to do is going to be good. It's going to be for His glory and my good. So, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is for somebody specific, maybe it's just me ranting, but... Is there something maybe that God's been calling us to do, but instead we're kicking against the goads? We should probably consider that. Because if we keep going down the road, going our own way, it's going to lead to destruction. In fact, that reminds me of a proverb, and I don't want to mess it up for you. So I'm going to find it. Bear with me. Pretty simple. I should just be able to remember it, right? There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And I believe what this is saying is there 
are ways that seem right to us in our own minds. But in, ultimately, it leads to death. Because when we go out in our own power, without seeking the Lord, or when we go against the Lord, it leads to death. I'd rather have something that leads to light. So, anyway. Next time, we'll pick it up in chapter 17 of Revelation. Get a little more excitement. Thanks for tuning in or clicking on the button. We'll be back with you, hopefully to bless you some more with with, uh, Revelation. Read on ahead if you like, because chapter 17 is... It's very interesting. We're going to get to uh, talk about Babylon. We're going to talk about the beast, the woman riding the beast. It's, it's pretty crazy. So, thanks again. Prayer requests, send them to thinlinebelievers at gmail.com. We're at thinlinebelievers on Instagram. And we'll see you next week.